today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. In the physical, there are these checklists of financial and legal matters when you know that you don't have much time left, you have to get your affairs in order. Well, so too is there a spiritual checklist of sorts as well. And this spiritual checklist is actually found in verses 6 through 8 here in Titus chapter 1. Are your affairs in order? That's what Pastor J.D. will be asking today as he goes through the list of things we need to make sure are straight before we come to the end of our lives. It might surprise you, but we spend an awful lot of time focusing on the things that won't have eternal significance. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We began in chapter 1 last week and today we're going to pick it up in verse 4. And Lord willing, make it through to verse 8. That'll be our text. And if you don't mind, we're going to get right to it. So beginning in verse 4, chapter 1, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing and says, To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior, The reason I left you in Crete, verse 5, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder, verse 6, must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer, verse 7, manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, verse 8, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled upright, holy, and disciplined. After seeking the Lord concerning the text that's before us today, I sense that he would have me to talk about the matter of getting our affairs in order. I am keenly aware that this sermon title can seemingly sound morbid, by virtue of how physicians say this to their dying patients when they don't have much time left. But it is my belief that the clarion call for us today, especially with everything that's happening in the world today, is that of putting our spiritual house in order. We don't have much time left. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to start with a fascinating account recorded in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. 
It's actually in Isaiah 38 as well, and uh, even in Second Chronicles. And it's an account concerning Isaiah the prophet warning King Hezekiah. And it's in verse 1 of Second Kings chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. The reason I'm starting with this account is because Hezekiah responds to this. He responds to this prophecy by crying out to the Lord, pleading with the Lord for mercy. And the Lord hearkens unto the voice of his cry and grants Hezekiah another 15 years of life. But we read it's not for his sake, but for the sake of Israel. And here's the thing, sadly, he would during that time become lifted up in pride, ultimately leading to his fall. But in the end, he did take heed and he did set his house in order. Enter our text today where Paul, writing to Titus, explains the reason that he left him there in Crete. It was for the purpose of putting in order what was left unfinished, and specifically by appointing elders in every town as Paul had directed him, and to have them set in order what had seemed to be in a state of disorder. In other words, there was some unfinished business, and Paul is writing to Titus and saying, this is why I left you in Titus, similar to why he left Timothy in Ephesus, to put in order. There's some unfinished business here, and you need to appoint elders and get in order, set things in order. I would suggest that if there was ever a time to set our spiritual houses in order, that time is now, while there's still time to do so. It's for this reason that I believe it's apropos to compare the getting one's affairs in order in the physical sense to the spiritual sense. This because in the physical there are these checklists of financial and legal matters when you know that you don't have much time left, you have to get your affairs in order. Well, so too is there a spiritual checklist of sorts as well. And this spiritual checklist is actually found in verses 6 through 8 here in Titus chapter 1. And I was able to count a total of 14, and we're going to go through them. But before we do, I think it's incumbent upon me to first preface them by noting the context in which this was written. We affectionately refer to 
Titus and Timothy as the pastoral epistles, because these are directives, really the qualifications for those that are overseers, those that are deacons, those that are elders, those that are certainly pastors. And when we were in First Timothy chapter 3, we approached it from that aspect, the qualifications for those that serve in the ministry. And it's really a little more extensive, even exhaustive, in First Timothy chapter 3 than it is here in Titus. Now again, as I sought the Lord, I really sense that if we were to approach this again from the perspective of this is what the qualifications are for overseers. Well, you're looking at me going, oh, this, this is for you, Pastor. We don't need to be here. <laughs> we can just leave now, right? Heads bowed, eyes closed, we'll slip out. And this is, you're the pastor. This is what you need to, and the elders, you should probably have your elders here too. And while you're out, get your deacons here too, because these are the qualifications for overseers. And that's fine. We did that in 1 Timothy 3. Thank you for joining with us during that uh, teaching. (laughs) But I think the Lord has a word for us today in this passage. And I think that word is that it is now the time to get our spiritual houses in order, because you see, the whole point of these quote-unquote pastoral epistles was this. If someone doesn't have their house in order, how do you expect them to serve in the church if their house isn't in order? In other words, they're disqualified because they don't have their house in order, their spiritual house in order. And so they're disqualified from serving in or being an overseer in the church. It's for this reason that I want to take this template, as it were, and superimpose it on our lives as Christians in these last days. In other words, I'd like for us to use this and view this through the lens of getting our affairs in order in our Christian lives. You know, I was just thinking about this. Uh, I'm glad, thank you Lord for reminding me of this. I was thinking about it this last week. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. This is the clarion call again, I believe, for us as Christians, is to get our house in order, get our affairs in order, because there's no more time left. It's my hope and my prayer that in so doing, we would give the Holy Spirit unfettered access to any deep recess in our hearts that needs to be put in order, that needs to be set right. It's not right, and you know it's not right. And the Lord has been not condemning, convicting you in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know, we're prone, when the Lord does that, we're prone to just like blow him off, shine him on. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about this on Thursday night. It has to do with taking responsibility, taking blame for your sin, 
and calling it sin. Let me explain and expound on that for a moment. I think it's going to be germane to our understanding. You know what we do? We don't call it sin. We call it an issue. I just have, you know, it's just this one issue in my life. Really, it's an issue. Sounds so much better, doesn't it? It's kind of like adultery. Oh, don't call it that. Uh, It was an affair. Oh, it was an affair. No, it was adultery. You sinned. Yeah, but it's just a, it's just this one issue. This one. No, it's sin. First John one night. (laughs) If we confess our issues. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our affairs. See, when you relabel it, and it's no longer sin, how's God going to forgive it and cleanse you of it? And so we fight the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, the purifying, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's not like (laughs) sin is bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. This is a loving Heavenly Father who loves us so much that He wants to spare us of needless consequences and pain and suffering when we sin. He wants us right, whole, holy, as we'll see here shortly. Well, let's jump in. The first one, blameless. This is a word that kind of jams people's gears, crashes people's hard drives. That's the, I guess, up-to-date metaphor. This does not mean sinless. It means having nothing in our lives that the enemy can use to accuse and bring blame and reproach on the gospel. And even if we're falsely accused or falsely blamed for something for which we are blameless, it won't stick. That's being blameless. You cannot be blamed. You're living your life above reproach. First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writing in verses 23 and 24, says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to listen very carefully to verse 24, because this is a game changer. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is one of those places in God's Word where we would do well to understand where the emphasis is. You know how you can change the whole complexion of a verse by way of the emphasis on the words in that verse. Example, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Okay. And he will do it. Okay. Here's what I think it should be. And he will do it. 
Implication? You won't. Because you can't. He sanctifies you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. You know, early in my Christian life, oh my goodness, I tried in my own strength, in my own efforts. I would make commitments and promises and vows. Oh God, just like that too. I put reverb into it because it's more holy that way. I vow to you, you know. And it's just like, I, I can almost picture my loving Heavenly Father in Heaven going, don't do that again, because you're going to do that again. I mean, isn't it true, especially the beginning of the year, we make those resolutions. Yeah. What a joke. If you're anything like me, I think it's about January 3rd now, where you just, you blew it. Here's one. In fact, I was talking with somebody about this the other day. Boy, the enemy will use this to heap condemnation on you. You start off well-intentioned. I want to read the whole Bible in a year. You start off, you're doing great, January 1st. Well, it's New Year's Day. You got the day off. Why not? That works. January 2nd, you know, in a hurry, but okay, I got got January 3rd, ah, and then you get behind. January 7th, maybe next year, Uh, right? He will do it. I've heard it this way. It's called the three-step approach. Step one, realize You can't. Step two, no, he can. Step three, you ready for it? Wait for it. Let him. Let him do it. He doesn't need your help. It's almost like I can hear the Lord say to me, you want to help me? That's adorable. You know, like when your kids are young, right? They want to help you. Hey, Baba, can I? I remember when our boys were young. Baba, can I help you? I'm like, you're so stinking cute. Okay, fine. I know I have just sentenced myself to about six, seven hours to undo what they did trying to help me. It was cute. Got some pictures out of it. It's almost like, you know, Lord saying, you want to help me? Don't help me. Because you're going to get in my way. Let me have thine own way. (laughs) Because I'm the Lord. And I do it. And even if you wanted to do it, you can't do it anyway. It has to be the Holy Spirit of God that sanctifies you through and through and makes your whole spirit, soul, and body to be kept blameless. It's called sanctification. The second one. Now, some of your translations render it the husband of one wife, and this has led to much debate amongst Bible commentators. It really carries with it the idea of being a one-woman man, not a womanizer. And to me, It speaks to having one's marriage in order. 
especially in these last days. I want to draw your attention to Ephesians 5.21. Not 22. Don't turn to verse 22. 21. Because 21 comes before verse 22. (laughs) You know what's in verse 22. I don't have to tell you. Wives, submit to your husbands. There. Now you don't have to look it up. I want to talk to you about the verse before that one. Verse 21. Oh, guys don't like to, you know, they just read real real fast, read through, and then get to verse 22. No, 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 not so fast. Why? Because verse 21, Paul, to the husband and the wife says, Submit to one another. What? I ain't submitting to her. I'm the man of the house. I'll wear the pants in the family. Cool. She's going to tell you what pair of pants to wear. (laughs) But um, he doesn't just, (laughs) this is not supposed to be a teaching on marriage, but he doesn't just stop there, submit to one another. He expounds on it as to why submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When you have a husband and a wife whose marriage is in order and they're submitting out of reverence to Christ, one to the other, that's a wonderful marriage. Marriage can be heaven on earth or it can be hell on earth. And it needs not be the latter. Now let's talk about children. Oh, why are you responding like that? (laughs) Listen, believe you me, I I would love to skip over this one and go on, but we cannot get away with that. Children are not wild and disobedient. Oh my. Oh dear. Here's the thing, parents, when it comes to having our house in order, one of the things I'm learning as a parent, I don't say I've learned it, That would be disingenuous. I'm always learning. You know, before you had children, you were the perfect parent, right? You read all the books. You're like, man, I got this. And your first child is born. You're like, what? You're throwing those books in the rubbish. You realize, I know nothing about parenting. Then the second child comes along and you realize, I know absolutely nothing about parenting. But here's one of the things I'm learning about parenting. We as parents must earn the respect of our children. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Titus may seem small and insignificant, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's all about the truth, and that can both change and inspire. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Titus, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you let into your heart. Be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. Ask Him to teach you His truth and let that overflow into your everyday life, just as Paul did. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. You were never meant to do life alone. 
If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from the book of Titus, right here on In Spirit and Truth.